0: This is all in for the love of the game. This is Love
1: Said Match. I mean, Andre Agassi had this goal. You don't have to be better than everyone else in the draw when you go out on the court, Like, right? You have to be better than someone that's across the net.
0: I think you've got to stay active in a sport sense, you know, go out there, do some sports. I think it always makes you feel better, maybe you're more tired in the very moment, but actually the rest of the day feels
1: better. And then I think giving back as well, you know, making other people happy is going to get, give you
0: a good feeling too. Hi guys, welcome to Tennis Pal Chronicles, the podcast to feed your passion for all things tennis. I am your host, Philip Kim, also known as Coach PK, the tennis pro for the Langham Huntington Hotel. In sunny Southern California, and the executive director for nonprofit Love Set Match. Tennis Pal Chronicles is sponsored by Tennis Pal, the best app to find people to play tennis with. Visit TennisPal.com to download the app today. We have got a super fun travel pod for you this week. Valerie and I head out to Indian Wells BNP Paribas Open to participate in the USTA Family Day. Our nonprofit Love Set Match, was invited to coach kids on the court and share our passion for tennis on the free family day. It was truly a blast, and we got to meet some pros like Andy Murray as they practiced and roamed the tennis paradise. We had so much fun playing with all the kids. Thousands of kids came out for the day, so it was so exciting to see how strong tennis is and how it's growing as a sport. Before we listen, though, I want to share with you our giveaway that's happening this week. We have been given two tickets to the Indian Wells BNP Paribas Open Men's and Women's Finals. That's right, both men's and women's on Sunday. And I'm going to be giving those tickets away Friday, March 17th. And I can deliver them via email, so no problem getting to you. To win, simply make a donation of any amount to our nonprofit. No donation is necessary to win. You can simply email us to enter. But let me tell you why we need your support. Love Set Match is a 501c3 nonprofit and official National Junior Tennis League organization. And our goal with your donations is to support a free summer tennis program for underserved kids in East Los Angeles and San Gabriel Valley. We already have the USTA supporting our program. And with your help, we can make the program totally free. Help us give the joy and benefits of tennis to those who might never get a chance to play the game. You know how much you love tennis. We hope that we can help kids love tennis just as much as you. Every donation and email entry from today, March 11th, to midnight. March 16th, we'll have a chance to win the pair of tickets, which are valued at $400. This is men's and women's finals the whole day. The tickets will be delivered via email on the 17th. You can donate two ways. First, you can zell us at aces at lovesetmatch.net. That's A-C-E-S at lovesetmatch.net. And second, you can donate on our Facebook page, which is Facebook lovesetmatch.org. You can also just go to lovesetmatch.org and I'll have a whole information blog about the giveaway. Okay, so back to the show. Valerie and I drove up to Indian Wells, so please excuse the car noise in the recording. Here we go. Hi, guys. We are super excited to be on the road right now. We're just leaving Southern California and heading towards... Well, we're still in Southern California. (laughs) We're just leaving L.A. and heading towards Indian Wells. And with me is my awesome co-host, Valerie Garcia. Hi, Valerie.
1: Hey, Philip. How's it going?
0: It's great. I can't believe we get to come out on this trip together. Thank you so much for coming with me.
1: Well, I was... uh, Thank you for inviting me because I feel like I'm the lucky one here.
0: No way, I'm lucky. I'm the one that gets to hang out with you all day. So, And I even arranged it so that we'd be on the same court or like together. So,
1: That's because you're amazing.
0: <laughs> no, it's going to be fun. Super awesome. Huge shout out to uh, Kevin at uh, USTA who allowed us to come out and be a part of USTA Family Day. Super excited. So we're heading out there right now and apparently we're going to be out there from 1 to 4 on court. I think we're on court 12 is what it says. They sent us the information, and we really don't know what we're gonna be doing yet. They actually said, don't bring a racket, don't bring your racket or gear or anything, right? So uh, I, I'm assuming they're gonna give us you know, all the stuff that we need to use uh, as we're coaching with kids and really, really, really hoping that we get to meet a pro or something.
1: Yeah, that would be pretty amazing. And I think if we don't get to meet one, we'll see them because so many are posting on social media that they're already there. So I imagine they're around the grounds.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and you know who's not there is Novak Djokovic.
1: I heard. Was that the denial of entry to the U.S.? Is that what happened?
0: Well, I don't know if he got denied yet, but I know he. They petitioned, and even the USTA actually said, "We want him to come." Right. So they actually posted on their Twitter feed like, "We're we're." hoping that Novak will get entry into the US, which caused a huge thunderstorm on on Twitter. I mean, everybody was like backlash, you know. Did you read any of that?
1: I did not, but I feel like doesn't everything cause a Twitter storm?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd love to, cause a twitter storm and get a lot of press like that but (laughs) but anyways i mean a lot of people are just saying oh so you're making an exemption for a rich guy because he plays tennis and you know blah blah blah
1: yeah i mean i guess i could see why people say that but rich people get exemption all the time like that's the world we live in
0: so true yeah (laughs) and kind of shocking that novak lost in the semifinals. did you watch that
1: I did watch that match, uh, Medvedev played great, Some there were some really good shots, but I, Djokovic didn't really look like very confident, he looked a little, I don't know, and it's probably what Medvedev was doing, so it was a great match, did you see it?
0: I watched the highlights and a couple of things that I noticed in watching the match was, one, Djokovic was slicing on his backhand a lot, I don't know if you noticed that he, like, seemed like every other shot was a slice backhand and so that made me wonder like is there some kind of wrist problem or something happening on his side or is he slicing to keep the ball low because Medvedev is tall you know Um, and then he also did a lot of drop shots right and by the end uh, Medvedev was getting all of the drop shots but in the beginning it was somewhat effective so I wonder if that was just his plan
1: yeah I I did not really catch on to that because I'm so bad at, I don't really analyze, I'm just like such a fan, I just, oh, look, ball hitting, getting hit, <laughs> oh, look at the guy, he's really fast, uh, <laughs> but I I would think that it was probably like tactical, um, just, I just feel like everything he does is so tactical or planned and well thought out, but I just feel like Medvedev had all the answers, He's he's also playing great this year, you know, two titles I think in a row.
0: And if he wins this one, it'd be three.
1: Yes, yes. Are they, They're they like playing right now as we speak, I think.
0: Oh wow, okay, that's great. Yeah, and I feel like uh, Djokovic struggles against two kinds of players. Uh, one is Stan Warwinka where he can just hit through, right? So if you have like the firepower and you can hit through Djokovic, which is almost impossible to do. Very, very few people can do it. And that's not Medvedev, but the other Player that is tough for Djokovic, I think, is actually another Djokovic on the other side. Someone who just gets the ball back, 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 back. And then Djokovic then has to become the aggressor, and he has to be a little bit more um, uh, risky in trying to win the point, or especially if he wants to shorten the point. And so that's why you're seeing the drop shots, is seeing him go for more shots and then more errors, right? So it's more like a Federer game where you have to really go for it and of course there's more errors but if you have more winners then you win right so that's the idea but it seems like in this game he you know medvedev was the better defender
1: yeah and i think um usually anyone who plays the same style as djokovic it's one of those like everything that they do good he just does a little bit better yeah with medvedev i think he's really close in everything but he has a great serve so I think that's like where he has an edge on all the other players that play a similar style to Djokovic. They they might defend really well, but their serve is very attackable.
0: That's so true. That's a great point, yeah. And Djokovic has a good serve, but it's just not a great serve. What happened?
1: I'm just wondering where I'm going. Oh. These signs are like really not where's the signs?
0: Sixty East.
1: Yeah, I don't see any signs. I didn't see any signs anywhere. Okay. I think I think we're I think we're good. People.
0: <laughs> part of the journey, part yes. of the adventure.
1: <laughs> I've done this drive a thousand times. You would think like I would just know without a sign, but apparently I don't.
0: Well, let's talk about that. You said a thousand times because you've been to Indian Wells so many times. Tell us a little bit about your journey and how you started.
1: Well, I mean, I. I have gone I remember the first year I went was probably like 2000 um, and I remember I, I only got like a day pass or something that um, really hadn't been to that many tournaments in person only like one in San Diego a year prior and I remember just seeing I saw Sharapova and Hingis and I'm pretty sure Sharapova kicked her butt, and but I was so happy because I just love both those players. So it was it was a it was a magical day. Um, it was so long ago, though. Actually, you know what? That's not a good story to tell. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, that that I, I has was,
1: to, wasn't going to be PG 13.
0: <laughs> that has to be um, kind of on the ascension of Sharapova, and then at a time where Hingis was maybe like. Uh, getting older struggling a little bit
1: yeah I I honestly like it's so far away now and maybe if I only had like one like I went to the US Open once so all those memories are pretty locked in but because I followed that trip in 2000 with another trip and another trip and another trip for like 20 years I have forgot. They all meld together. So as I say it, I'm like, "Gosh, is that who I saw play?" <laughs> oh my god! But I would have to look it up. But it, it, you know, some something along those lines. That's that's what my memory tells me. But yeah,
0: and don't you have? Didn't you have some kind of friend that used to get you in, or had some kind of access, or something?
1: Yes, my uh, my dear friends. They were so awesome. The one of my friends' moms was a. A, v, a VJ, no a DJ for a radio station and uh would get tickets and she would give them away on air but they always had so many so there was a couple you know we could put in our pockets and a few of us would go every year Ooh, for free and it nice. was all oh, those like it was probably like a five-year span um it was really really fun those five years let me
0: tell you wow. and and cheap and how good were the tickets
1: oh they were they were decent you know they weren't like a uh, real up there but I'm the, I'm the type of person I think the farther away you are the more action you get to see and uh, I don't mind being you know up in Lodge or whatever but the other cool thing is that this friend lived about a half a mile from Indian Wells so we didn't have to pay for parking either we would just walk from her house over there it's like a 15 minute walk so those those little perks were really nice for a
0: while nice and for those of you that don't know the LA to Indian Wells trip it's about two hours so We're going to talk this whole time, two-hour podcast. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But, yeah, it's about a two-hour trip, and it doesn't feel that long. Um, And right now, like, there's almost no traffic. The sun is actually kind of breaking right now. It started as a very cold morning, and I'm always frightfully cold. I, I told Valerie I'm actually wearing, like, thermals under my sweats. Uh, And when we get there they're gonna give us like a t-shirt I'm just gonna put the t-shirt like over like three layers of other shirts because I'm always cold Uh, But yeah looking forward to it I guess they're gonna give us a different hat to wear they said so I won't be able to wear my Federer hat and Represent RF which I guess is nice.
1: I'm gonna represent RF for us because I wore my shorts So it's on my leg we gotta get you a matching tattoo, Phil. That's
0: right. For you guys that don't know, Valerie has an RF tattoo on her leg, which is just the sexiest thing you've ever seen. Uh, super amazing. Um, but yeah, we're really excited to be at Indian Wells Family Day. and. We're going to bring you lots of information when we get there. Hopefully, we'll actually meet a pro or talk to a pro and get get them to give us a little shout-out on the podcast, if at all possible, and also tell you about how Indian Wells looks and stuff right now. Any other thoughts?
1: Well, I mean, I imagine, first of all, we're going to have so much fun. So much fun. Like I was talking to my girlfriend last night, and I said something like, I have to wake up so early. I sounded like I was complaining, but she so she said something along the lines like, I don't know, it'll be okay, don't worry. And I'm like, no, no, no. It's going to be so much fun. Like, you don't understand. I love volunteering. I'm volunteering with tennis and I'm volunteering with the best person on earth, PK. Like, it's going to be a fantastic day. I know that for sure. And so I'm, I'm just super excited because we're going to have so much fun. And you know what? There's a reason... Indian Wells for those who do not know it's called Tennis Paradise and uh, it really is.
0: Why? Why is it Tennis Paradise Valerie?
1: I think it's Tennis Paradise because of the beauty of the grounds. Um, The weather is really beautiful and I I think there's something about the palm trees with the backdrop of the mountains is is just gorgeous. Yeah
0: and they've had so much uh, so such an injection of cash coming in from Larry Ellison and company that they have really taken it to like the slam level as far as the experience, the stadiums, the restaurants, uh, the grounds, from what I hear, I haven't been to a whole lot of tournaments, but from what I hear, this is one of the best experiences out there.
1: Yes, and it's it's a player favorite, you know, it gets, it gets a voted player favorite tournament, I think, like many years, you know, standing, so. I think, I think it's a good one. It, it is also really great for the fans. It's so much so that it's, like, exploded the past decade, let's say, that I'm I'm also excited to, like, go on a day where, even though we're not going to see, like, the pros play, but at least it's still going to be, like, a little bit less of a crowd um, because it's going to be, like, nostalgic for me of the days, you know, like 20 years ago when I mean, they weren't selling out stadiums. There was hardly anybody there, and it was so great. You had such access to the players like I remember watching Roger Federer with like 25 other people and there's no barriers between us I was sitting on the court watching him play and uh that type of thing just you know can't happen there anymore because it's blown up so much but it's still it's still really really amazing like it's the reason it's blown up is because it is such an amazing tournament and they do such a good job running it so if you haven't gone you should go
0: yeah, and shout out to Tommy Haas, who I guess is running the tournament now, right? Uh, Mr. Mr. LA Tennis Guy. So, tell us uh, any more really astounding Indian Wells memories that you have. I mean, so many, I'm sure, but...
1: There are so many. So many. I don't... It's, like, ridiculous. Um, I mean, obviously, like, my, uh, my glory days of feeling like it was like my backyard tournament and nobody really it was like a hidden gem nobody really knew about it
0: you were like an insider back then oh
1: it was great I mean there it was really great but now it's great in the other way where you get to just see how popular tennis is that's really what you want deep down is to share it and to share the love with a group like thousands of other people who are just as excited about this amazing sport as you are um, and,
0: and almost every year I go, we, we sit in the stands and we just end up talking really in depth to people you don't even know because they are the same tribe. They love tennis and they, they've flown in from Kansas, they've been following tennis all their life, they love, you know, such and such a player, and it just, you have this immediate bond, don't you think?
1: Totally. Um, now that you mention it, you just reminded me of one of my cool, really cool memories. Is I met someone in New York at the U.S. Open. I we made friends with a couple of people. We sat around because we had the same tickets for like five days in a row, and so did they. So we spent you know five days sitting next to these people, really getting to know them. And one of them who lived in, um, gosh, I don't, I honestly don't remember. I think it was Michigan. Um, <laughs> she flew out, and uh, we we stayed at my aunt's place. Um, and we went to Indian Wells for the weekend, and it was really cool, because she didn't really know, like, oh, Indian Wells is a great tournament, um, until I was like, no, no, you have to go, you don't understand. And so it's it's really cool, like, how it connects people.
0: Yeah, well, for me, uh, the highlight has to be meeting Roger Federer. <laughs> I mean, of course, that's like... And, and thank thankf- I'm so thankful for Indian Wells, because really, at that was really my only chance like I haven't been to the US Open I haven't been to other uh, tournaments Basel I guess would be a good chance (laughs) to see him but uh, yeah I've actually had a chance to see him uh, play and then actually like face to face connect with him three times at Indian Wells and so it's just the lifelong dream uh, just fanboying you know Actually getting to talk to him and having him respond to me, just insane, you know. Ah,
1: so jealous. (laughs) It just brings
0: tears to my eyes. So, yeah, just wow, just amazing. So, yeah, we do love Indian Wells. It's so close to our heart, and we're so grateful that in Los Angeles, because a lot of people say Los Angeles is a really hard place to have a tennis tournament. I think it's competing against so many other sports, and we haven't had a major tennis tournament for a very long time. I think they, they... how long ago was that? When they had that uh, event where Djokovic came out and played, uh, but it was like an exhibition, and it was so interesting. I actually went and took my friends, and and then the uh, let's see, the Bryan brothers were there, and Marty Fish was there. Marty Fish actually served and broke the net that day.
1: Oh, nice! Yeah, he actually
0: served, and I don't know what happened, but the net like collapsed, and they had to put it back together. And then uh, that's
1: gotta feel good, huh? I
0: guess, yeah. I would love to serve like that. It's like
1: breaking the backboard when you dunk or something, right? Yeah,
0: he's he's got a great serve. Um, and then also the Serbian, the Los Angeles Serbian crowd came out, and with Djokovic they did like a Serbian dance and a Serbian Serbian presentation to him. So that was you know, like a very unique experience as well. Uh, Pete Sampras came out and played. I think it was actually. Pete Sampras and Novak Djokovic against the Bryan brothers in a little exhibition thing, which was kind of fun. Uh, Marty Fish was there, Andy Roddick was there. I think it was called the L.A. Tennis Open or something like that, but it was just a one-off. It didn't. It didn't continue.
1: I think there used to be a te- an L.A. Open, um, and it was wasn't like Roddick and Blake and Fish were generally the only names that showed up. Uh, so, I think it was only like a 250 or something. But I feel like that ended a long time ago. Like, it's so far away in my memory.
0: Yeah, the only thing that I can remember is there used to be something called the Farmers at UCLA. Or it was sponsored by Farmers, obviously. And then uh, and I, I went there, and it was at UCLA. And I, I can't even remember who played, but it wasn't like big name players. Uh, I mean,. Uh, no disrespect to the (laughs) to all the players that are all awesome but uh, it wasn't like the top three kind of players and uh, yeah but it was still great tennis of course and had a great time and um, but yeah, that, that went away. And I heard that that tournament actually got sold to Chile or something like that. You know, So we lost that tournament here in Los Angeles and haven't had one ever since. So it's been a very long time. And I guess now that Indian Wells is such an established tournament, probably nobody's going to do it in downtown LA. It's just too much competition, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, I feel like it would be pretty hard.
0: Yeah. But uh, eventually the Olympics are coming to LA. And we might have tennis, Olympic tennis. When is that? I, I'm not sure, but I wonder if the Olympic tennis will be at like Indian Wells or something.
1: Oh, we gotta we gotta be there, Philip. <laughs> all right, that's bucket list stuff right there. If that happens, then nothing's stopping me.
0: <laughs> right. That, I mean if it's in LA, you know, other than the fact that it would be like crazy crowds and traffic and oh.
1: all the things that I really, really don't like, but for Olympic tennis, it would be so worth it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They always say that Olympic tennis is so much more meaningful to the players, you know, to play for your country and the feel and the vibe and stuff. And yeah, that'd be really cool to see. Uh, Rafa has a gold, right?
1: He sure does.
0: Singles gold. uh, And he's the only one of the top three. Djokovic has a bronze. Roger has a silver, I think. He has gold in doubles, but... Does he have a silver? So
1: I, would I, thought he had a, how I thought he had a bronze, too, or something. I don't remember him getting to a final. Or did he get to the final? and Is that when he lost too? to... I can't remember that guy's name. I just remember I, I was really mad at him, whoever he is. <laughs>
0: Uh, ball, uh, out of my way, brain. <laughs> well, we're going to uh, take a break right back. now, but we're having such a great yeah. time uh, enjoying your company. Thanks for All joining us United. on this trip to, to uh, USTA Family day. day. One of the Maybe main reasons we're going is because our nonprofit Love Set Match got invited to come and, and that's why we're going too as volunteers because we really want to see the sport of tennis grow continue to grow it's already growing it has exploded since 2020 as i mentioned in my last podcast hope you guys w- listen to uh tennis versus pickleball hope uh it was an interesting listen for you but just to sh- just to keep uh making the point that tennis is really growing and it's an awesome sport to get involved in we'll be back soon Hey guys, so we're at courtside right now. This is practice court number five, and it actually says Lloyd Glasspool. He's <laughs> supposed to be practicing, but actually, it's Andy Murray. Andy. I, w- <laughs> I wonder if it's like... A... Oh, oh! I see, it's rotating. But yeah, we're we're actually seeing Andy Murray, and I got a selfie with him. It was incredible. He was so nice.
1: I said hi, and he looked the other way. <laughs>
0: I said, what, as soon as I saw him, I said, hi, Andy, like he knew me. Um, and then he was like muttering to himself in that Andy Murray style because like, he was like, too big, Andy, too big. That's what he was saying to himself.
1: Nice. Well, I am um, really, really enjoying myself because Andy is a treasure to this sport. Yeah.
0: And who else have we seen so far while we've been here?
1: Who have we seen? Well, we saw Zachary.
0: Yeah. We spent we some time. we watched her for a
1: while. And she said hi to us. She was very sweet. And she even said bye when we got up and left.
0: That's so so cool. And then right. we saw Pliskova leaving the court. Yes, Pliskova. She was just on the court. We saw uh, Laura Sigamund and Heather Watson. Heather Watson said hi. And we got a selfie with Heather. That was awesome.
1: Also we saw, I thought I saw Musetti somewhere, but um, I didn't point him out. We were setting up the practice court or the kids court.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's going so good so far. We're having such a great time, and it it is a beautiful day. I mean, can you beat this day?
1: This is like the perfect weather. In fact, uh, when they were, um, when Zachary was practicing, she had the Netflix um, documentary crew there, and I overheard them when they got on court. The guy was like, it doesn't get any nicer than this. Is this the nicest place on the tour? And she said, yeah.
0: Oh, that's so cool. Wow. Look at this guy. And he's playing a practice match right now, Nine, ten, 10 points? points 10 yeah. points, Against someone we don't know, but man, he serves big.
1: Yeah, lefty.
0: Lefty, nice. I wonder if he's practicing against to go against someone who is lefty.
1: Maybe, right? Yeah. I wonder, well, th- is there a draw out yet? Or? I mean, we know when not uh, here. Um, I lost my match. Sh-
0: Sh- 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 of Olive, yeah. He's
1: the only lefty I, I can think of
0: i don't know if you can hear andy in the background but he has that distinctive grunt
1: oh i thought you meant his muttering because he's muttering too
0: yeah let's listen let's let them listen to the match they they hit hard people so hard all right we'll check in later Alright, this is our last entry here at Indian Wells. We are just leaving the town right now and uh, what a wonderful day. We've hopped in our car, we're heading back to L.A. Valerie, how are you feeling?
1: Well, I'm ready for a nap, Philip. How about you? <laughs> I'm exhausted. <laughs> yes, we, I mean, we just spent all day in the sun. The weather was beautiful, people. And it was such a lovely day.
0: It really was. What was
1: your favorite part, Philip?
0: gosh my favorite part has to be catching a selfie with Andy Murray that was incredible like you saw him he was walking by and then I was I jetted to him and I said let's go and I took off I know I took off and I said Andy Andy and he turned around and I said hi I'm volunteering today can I get a selfie and he said okay I'm on my way to practice so let's do it quick and then he did it, and he actually adjusted himself in the selfie, like he knew what he was doing, you know yeah, what I mean? He's a pro. Man. He's a pro.
1: He probably does like a hundred selfies a day with fans, huh?
0: At least. On, on, on the days where it's like crowded, it's probably a lot more than hundred. But yeah, it was really nice of him to stop and, uh, you know, just give me a moment. And there wasn't that many people there, so it was nice that he didn't feel pressure or anything like that. And we saw so many people. Let's name them. Who did we see today?
1: Who did we see? Well, we let's go. Let's try and go in sequential. No. Yeah. Uh, the first person we saw was Maria Zachary.
0: No, Pliskova was first.
1: Oh, you're right. But no, but we saw Maria Zachary walking through the grass. Oh yeah, that's right. Before and then we started walking over, and then we realized Pliskova was on the court finishing her practice. So we didn't get to see her hit, but we got to see her bending over. You can edit <laughs> that out. That was just for us. <laughs>
0: Oh, Lord. And then we, where we sat in the stands, was literally right above the tunnel where the players came in and out. So as they were walking right towards us, I mean, we were right there, looking right at them, and it was, you know, feet feet away from them.
1: Yeah, it was great, and um, I, we must have watched Maria for what 15 minutes or something, or no, 10 more minutes. Than that. Oh, okay, more, I don't know. I, for a while. Just, yeah popping off all kinds of serves but you can also we were so close and there was no crowd This was only like a handful of volunteers there and so you could really hear their conversations they were having even when they were on the other side of the court you could hear the what the her and her coach were talking about and uh that was that was really cool and she walked close to us and um she made eye contact and she like so sweetly was like hi instead of just ignoring us right that's so kind Yeah,
0: it was really nice, and obviously she knew that both of us were filming her and, you know, had the cameras up and stuff, so, and that's awkward, right, I mean, to be having fans watch you, and and especially probably on today where you don't really feel like there are fans, you think, you you expect that you're just going to be out there, you know, working, and she was working, it was very interesting hearing the conversation with her coach where he was actually instructing her to try to throw more to the right, uh, and see if she could get kind of a loopier toss so that she could serve um, In a certain way that he wanted him to and what was really interesting was that he had these lines on the court And I took pictures of those lines because uh, I, I really wanted to understand what he was trying to do, right? But she was nailing those serves and it was just like just inside the, this one yellow line that he put down a marker and the center line so I mean, right between that, like dead on, time after time after time, I mean, sometimes she would hit the net, but it was just insane how she was doing it. And then she would try to go out wide, you know, practicing, and it was just on command. She could do it, you know?
1: Yeah, that was great. Um, I didn't hear the whole toss conversation, but I'm glad you picked up on that, That's that's just cool to know. I mean, like I told you when we were there, it's just, it's so cool that they're the best of the best in the world, but you still see them with coaches tweaking little parts of their game and focusing and concentrating on techniques and improvements. And it's like, it never you never stop learning, right?
0: Right, yeah, and then the next thing we saw was that she went to the other side of the court and the, the coach came up pretty much halfway into the court in no man's land and he was just firing off serves at her to give her a lot of pace. And uh, that's a trick that I do, too. Oftentimes I serve from uh, the service line to my players to increase the pace and shorten their reaction time so that they'll just feel it a lot faster. And wow, Sakari was just whacking the ball on the backhand side first. She was just attacking that thing, taking it super early inside the court and just closing it. Wow, so impressive the way she was hitting that ball.
1: So good. So, who did we see after that? Do you remember?
0: Uh, after, I think, was it Heather Watson? Was that the next person? or? Well, I saw Alison Van Oek uh, on the far court, and I was trying to tell you oh, yes. the redhead yes. uh, who was playing, and uh, uh, she... At one time, she had a sponsorship with a racket company that I was talking to, um, and that's why I knew because they were all saying, "Oh yeah, Allison plays with our rackets and stuff." So that's kind of, you know, something that st- st- stood out to me. Um, yeah, was it Heather Watson was the next person? You know
1: what? Actually, I think it was Andy Murray, right? Because it was right before we volunteered, and okay. we were just sat there and watched Andy Murray practice for God, probably another fifteen twenty minutes. And man, he was playing with Jack Draper. And they were whacking that ball like you wouldn't believe.
0: Yeah, Jack Draper serve must be 135 easy. Uh, he's just smacking that ball. And he, he aced Andy at least a couple times, even though Andy sometimes called the ball out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> was it out, or do you think that was a... Uh... Do you think that was, I don't know, not true?
0: Well, they were not just practicing. They were actually playing a 10-point match. Yeah. So there was a little bit of gamesmanship there, I think. And I, it was interesting. There was a little bit of tension between, you know, calling the ball in and the calling the ball out because I just think his serve was so good. Um, and Andy was Andy. He, he was talking to himself. He was muttering under his breath. He was saying stuff like, you know, uh, come on, too big, too big, keep it in, you know, like that kind of stuff. And it was so interesting to hear him say that. And then he walked to the other side of the court, and he was receiving and returning and stuff. And he was actually whacking his racket against the canvas of the back side of the court. Uh, did, did it four or five times, not in a really aggressive manner, but just in a like, come on, come on, get it together kind of thing, you know?
1: Yeah, like pumping himself up. I heard him saying... Um the thing that I tell myself the most when I'm playing tennis, which is like, move your feet. Uh, He didn't say it that way, but he was like, you're stationary. (laughs) Um, He was saying, you know, he was like mad at himself for not like moving his feet more. And uh, I definitely can relate with that because I feel like that's the, my biggest weakness is footwork. And when I get tired, I just stop. I just start lunging for balls. And uh, so, yeah, i just felt like, oh, okay. Well, like Andy does it too. So that's cool. (laughs) I'm not alone.
0: And so interesting to figure how do people motivate themselves. Because I know for me, like if I was giving myself a lot of negative feedback, I would just get angry and emotional and would just spiral into playing worse and worse. Like I need to stay calm and cool, encourage myself, you're doing well, you know, that kind of thing. Um, So I think if I let my emotions go as much as I see Andy doing when he's playing, I would think I would play worse. But for him, he knows what motivates him. He knows how to coach himself, and I'm assuming he's doing the right thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, you would think, but I wonder if like he has to get that stuff out, and like maybe the internal dialogue is more pepping himself up. Because yeah. I know when I play, I'm I can negative out loud. I could say like move your feet, blah, blah blah, but then I reset and I'm like nope, you got this. Next point, next point mentality. Like it's just this point. You got this one. And check out the wind. I don't know you feel, a, feel our car going like all over the place, but these things are, are really going.
0: Well. Yep, we're just passing the famous windmills that you pass every time you go to Indian Wells, the huge, huge wind farm out here, which is so great to see that we're generating green power out here. But yeah, it's very windy, and forgive the wind noise in the, the recording right now. But it was just so impressive to see those kind of points because they were whacking the ball so hard with so much control, so much spin, moving with so much uh, accuracy as well. So it was the whole package and it just reminds you of how great a player Andy is. I mean, you know, we don't give him enough credit. Oh, and we didn't even talk about his hip. You know, he was out there practicing with that hip just insane that he is just playing so well and it was very impressive so definitely holding his own against the new generation
1: yeah it was it was really good I mean it what was really nice is like I said there's so little pe- few people on the grounds at that hour um, only you know the, the volunteers none of the families have come in yet so you just got like it felt like a really intimate time with these players Where like they were very aware of like us being the three out of the 10 people they're watching, you know, um, and just getting to be so close and hear all the stuff they're saying to their coaches. And it was, it was great. I was, I was happy. Um, Oh, I think I said hi to Andy or something like that. And he just totally blew me off. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I, I, I did that him. too. I forgive him. It's okay. Yeah just trying to do his job you know well
0: especially (laughs) because right then he was right into practice right so he's
1: in the he was in the midst of practicing but i just happened to like walk up and he like looked at me so i was like "Ha, i don't know i can't remember what i said but something like hi andy or i don't know he was just like turned around like oh great
0: and i've got to think that the brits you know like each other and know each other you know they're from the same country they probably have a lot of things in common. But it was interesting that during the, the changeovers when they were sitting down, they of course would always sit down on the same bench as all the players do. And then the coaches are you know wandering around or sometimes sit on the next bench. But they really didn't talk to each other on the bench. I mean, it was just like sit down, rest, get a drink, towel off. They didn't chit chat. Like when I would come to see Federer play uh, these kind of practice matches and stuff, uh, a lot of times it would be uh, like a younger player or something, and he would always have some kind of chit chat going in between the points and just talking and stuff. Uh, Cole Schreiber was often there. I guess he liked to hit with Cole Schreiber a lot. Um, but uh, yeah, we would just see them, you know, chatting and talking and stuff. And there was not much of that going on.
1: If at no, all. I think like Roger, though, in general, is such a social butterfly and chit chatter, uh, and I guess Murray's probably not that he does he kind of has like that grumpy vibe right like <laughs>
0: grumpy old man
1: yeah um uh, but they didn't chat. you're right and i i mean even like well then zachary and like pliskova they weren't practicing together but even when they had that moment at the bench like they said words to each other um and most of the players yeah when they practice together i think you're used to seeing them talk a little bit maybe they were real focused you know on uh not giving the other one anything like taking it real serious
0: yeah it did feel like that it did feel very serious and it was so interesting that in between every point his coach would come and talk to him jack draper's coach would come and talk to him and it was almost like stratego you know like they were talking and and explaining and talk and i don't know if they were talking about the match itself or the play or technique you know but it was literally every point uh they were talking about something so that was kind of interesting
1: yeah, and uh, I saw Murray kind of, like, um, come up funny on his foot once and was rubbing his foot a little bit, and it reminded me that when I was watching Muguruza play in San Diego, the same thing happened to her, and she had, like, she ended up, I think, withdrawing with, with an injury that she sustained while I was watching her practice. So then I, got, I was like, oh, no, am I a curse? Like, is Murray going to get hurt? But thankfully he just, like, shrugged it off. Um, I'm not that powerful.
0: Well, and these practice matches are not practice in the sense of like, hey, I'm just casually repping a ball. They're going at it. This is the real thing like hard and they're chasing everything down yeah. too they're drop shotting each other they're making each other run they're working the point and so you really feel like this is match play yeah. you know they're they're not giving an inch and they're not letting up on their body either they're they're going for it you know
1: yeah because they likely you know have to play and you don't want you they're competitive in nature but also like if they have to end up meeting each other in the draw you don't want them to like build some confidence like oh I just beat him at practice yesterday you know you you want to put your stamp on being the better right And I imagine it's weird because Andy Murray was the number one Brit for so long and now you know he's making his comeback and Jack Draper's like this new up-and-coming amazing Brit so there's probably a weird sense of him like being excited for the younger person his countrymen but then also wanting to win right you don't want to you don't want to give in
0: yeah absolutely and what a pressure that is to have every time you walk on the court it's not like us recreational players where we're just there to have a good time you know what I mean every time they're out there they got something to prove and they need to like establish their place in the pecking order
1: 100% although I am thinking like I wonder if sometimes you feel that pressure as a coach if you play with people, like if you feel a pressure, like since you're a coach, you have to have like a certain amount of skill or ability or like you have to like kick everyone's butt.
0: I mean, usually when I'm teaching, uh, I'm not hitting hard at all. I'm feeding, I'm trying to give the, the most accessible ball to my students, so no pressure there. But there are a lot of people who say, hey, I'll play you. You know, people even have played me for money or, you know, challenged me or, you know, at the Langham, definitely the goal is, like, can you beat the hotel coach? You know what I mean? So, yeah, there there are those kinds of people. I enjoy that, but I'm definitely not match worthy right now. I need to up my game. I'm actually talking to a couple of people about trying to put together a higher level hitting group on a Wednesday night. Uh, something around, you know, UTR 10, 4, 5... Um, just I want to play with like five o people as much as I can just to show myself I need to step up the game and you know and also I feel like for them it's really hard to find people who are at your level and um, and not just have to play like a three o person all the time but because I think people at that level have worked really hard to get there and then they want to continue but it's really hard to find people who can just hit at that level and and keep them sharp you know so i don't know something i'm putting together i actually launched it on meetup.com already but uh only had one response so far
1: are you doing it in monterey park
0: yeah i'll do it in monterey park yeah
1: that sounds good uh when i get to 4.5 i'll call you up
0: (laughs) (laughs) please do (laughs) and not to be i it's it's not an ego thing at all i know for a lot of people it is but we also are, I'm trying to be very picky, almost VIP, like invitation only, because that's the whole point, is I'm trying to play with people who are a lot better than me, and that will really challenge me, and I, I know that they want the same thing. So, you know, we're going to try to keep it a high level, and I uh, hope people don't think we're like conceited or something, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's that, like you, there is it's, it's very, I mean, well, there is some of that, but... Most people, I think, would understand that if you want to get better, you have to play people who are better than you. And so, I don't think there's any shame in the game of trying to find people who will help bring your level up.
0: Yeah, the problem is that a lot of people are delusional about their level, <laughs> and so they're they're literally three, five players, but they think they literally call themselves four or five, wow. and they just think that they're that. And I like I had this one guy who came out. He ended up being a student, but he he came up to me and he said you know hey yeah let's play a match you know I want to play you you're the you're a coach and so let's see what you got he ended up being like honestly like not even a 3-0 player but he called himself a 4-0 so I just think one people don't know what the ranking means
1: using was the was the the new the 10 point what's the new one UTR UTR instead (laughs) of uh, NTRP or whatever (laughs)
0: Yeah, and now it's going to be world tennis number, Two, So everything's oh, going to change. College has just accepted that they're going to WTN. So we'll do a whole episode on that as well, talking about what that means for rankings and stuff. Oh, my
1: gosh. Let me say, like, tennis is the best sport. I love it. But it's so hilarious how there's nothing, like, universal about the sport other than actually not even the scoring. Like, you get to certain tournaments and the scoring changes. Uh, that we can't just agree on like one way to rank people
0: yeah too many cooks in the pot that's the problem Uh, no I wish they were in the pot too many cooks in the in the kitchen I should have said (laughs) (laughs) but let's see who after we saw Andy Murray and Jack Draper just blow our minds because they were insanely good on the court uh, we walked
1: Serana Cristea was on on the other side like in the background
0: yeah, and she looked really good. She was taking everything so early, forehand, backhand. She was just hitting with her coach. He was feeding her, but wow, she was really attacking the ball, taking it super early. I think that was the goal of the practice it looked like to me.
1: Yeah, she was hitting really hard.
0: So that was cool. And then it was time for uh, family day start. So we headed off to our court, and we were on court 12. And as we were ready to load into the court, who would uh we who would we run into on the court who was actually practicing on court 12 and we were trying to get onto the court it was
1: heather watson (laughs) (laughs) and she was so gracious she took pictures and talked to um the girl uh nala was that her name i think so uh that was spent the whole family day with us um, because her parents were volunteering with us and Heather Watson took pictures with everyone, and she was she was just such a nice person.
0: Yeah, sweetheart. We do love those Brits, huh?
1: Yes, I mean, we saw a few of them today. <laughs> so I think we saw more Brits than any other nationality of tennis players today.
0: Yeah, and then on the other court, uh, we saw someone else hitting, and I was thinking that it was Sin sinyakova
1: Sinyakova? Yeah.
0: But I'm not sure if it was her or not, but it see, it looked like her. Yes, that
1: was when we were packing up,
0: right? Oh, was it when we were packing up?
1: Yeah, the girl she was like waiting for us to get out of her way so she could practice.
0: Oh, right? I-, I was talking about the girl on the next court from where we were and they were just finishing.
1: Was it the one that walked by Laura Siegmund? Oh, Laura Siegmund, that's who it. Was. Okay, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Sinyakova was the one that cuz I didn't recognize her. Right. You were the one that said, "Oh, and she was like waiting for us right. to get off the court, <laughs> so she could <laughs> practice. <laughs> so so like packing up, packing up our tennis caution tape.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So then we started our whole uh, event day, and actually started a slow because I think we're kind of at the bottom of the court practices. We were
1: like almost as far away from everything and the entrance and all the action as you can possibly. There was like only one or two more courts that were like farther than us
0: (laughs) but it was really fun and shout out to our team leader rachel from usta who organized it all and uh she was really fun and we had a lot of really fun co-workers that we were volunteering with uh lots of kids came down uh not only to our court but they they there i guess there were at least five or six courts that were full of kids
1: yeah there there was a And then it would come in waves, too, but when it was getting going, I mean, it got pretty crazy.
0: So it was just so exciting for me to see courts full of kids. Most of the kids brought their own rackets, which means they knew how to play. They were tennis players. Uh, One story was a lady uh, who came, and her son, 13 years old, is a really good player and actually came to be a ball boy here at Indian Wells and they had come from Santa Barbara so four or five hour drive just to be a part of this and just really encouraged me that wow the tennis community is alive and well there's so many kids playing tennis so many people who are excited about tennis and just to see the hundreds of kids come uh, and hit on these courts and bring their rackets and get excited about tennis it was so fun
1: it was and I think think there may have even been thousands or thousand of kids because I, so. I mean there was there i mean that place was packed yeah and
0: definitely including their families and stuff thousands of people oh yeah yeah
1: for sure um and there it was so great there was such a fantastic age range of like three to you know 16 or you know even parents wanting to come out and hit with their kids and shy ones and you know, show-offs, like whatever. And every range, we had how many kids that came and had never hit a ball before or held a racket. And then you had people coming in, like you said, with their own racket and really just being quite good. Uh, I was amazed with a few of them. I was like, dang, um, there was that one girl, I don't know if you saw her, she had a pink dress on and she played a lot more towards the early morning when we got there. She She was seven years old, she had a great game. In fact, her parents like, um said she played like the orange bowl oh wow yeah and um i guess they had taken her out of tennis because she was she was she's very good but she started playing a little more competitive oh no she moved to green ball or um, green dot green dot yeah which i don't know what that means but i'm assuming it's a different type of ball for like the next level up in ability uh and i guess she was losing all her matches so her parents pulled her from tennis and One of the other volunteers that was uh, near me was saying but that's how you learn the most is when you lose if you're winning everything you're not learning anything really like losing is such an important part of sport and and life really and just like learning how to course correct right learn new skills so
0: yeah and we were talking about this at lunch how Losing is fundamental to tennis. And can you imagine the, the mental toughness that these people have? They pay for their coaches, they pay for their plane tickets, their hotel, they go, they go and they are going to lose, you know? They're not going necessarily to win the title every time. In fact, they probably won't. They, they probably know they aren't, and yet they go to lose. Which, how do you have that kind of career?
1: Yeah, can you imagine? Oh, gosh, I just like this is my job. And you're you're at the top, the peak, you're professional. To be like the top 300 or 500 in the world is actually such an amazing feat. But then also like when you go into the small bubble of it and you're hanging out with hundreds of people who are ranked higher than you, then that's where it gets, you would think it gets difficult. Just the battle to survive amongst the giants, you know?
0: Yeah, and it's not just your college, your high school, your community, your state. It's the world. I mean, this is the gathering of the greatest tennis players in the world. So when you're number one, like Djokovic is, like Rafa was, like Roger was, you're the greatest tennis player in the world at that moment. That's insane.
1: So cool. Must be a really, really nice feeling. I was watching on Instagram. They were posting... um little videos uh, from Novak when he was young saying like I want to be number one in the world and then they were like what do you think like now seeing that video and he was just like I always dreamed and believed but you know you you never know it's really hard and he's was saying how uh, for those that don't know he just broke Steffi Graf's record for the longest um, weeks at number one I don't believe it's consecutive though and he was just like, you never you never imagine that, right? Like, that's pretty crazy and amazing. But that's, that's cool.
0: Yeah, so what a career. And just like you said, for that girl, it is about losing. But it's also how to lose, how to turn your losses into wins, how to have a good coach to help you through that. Um, and also, as a parent, it's really important you're – you know, maybe they did the right thing because maybe they were seeing that their daughter mentally was deteriorating, and so you know, to take a break and all of that. So it's it's very tricky. It's a, it's definitely a mind game as much it is as it is a physical game. So yeah, hard call to understand all of that, but yeah, you've got to trust that the parents know best, right?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I I think it's probably better to pull her. Um, than to make her stay, right? I mean, if you're gonna go one way or the other, I think like that's probably the better way to, to misjudge it. Um, but actually, you just reminded me like how hard it is of a sport to constantly be losing. If for anybody who's watched the Netflix um, docu-series Breakpoint following the tour, um, they were actually there filming S- Zachary for season two. And Zachary, I don't want to, okay, a spoiler alert. It's not like a major spoiler, but I'm just going to say something she said. Philip, close your ears if you don't want to know. <laughs> uh, basically, that at one point she confides that she had called her team and said, like, I'm retiring, I'm done. Like she, because, of a, because the losses were getting too much and she was like, screw this, I'm done. And then like four days, she said it took about four days and she was like, okay, I got to play again. <laughs> So I could think she didn't make any announcements to the media. <laughs> <laughs> but I think um, that's like something they talk about a lot in that series as well, is just like the mental anguish of just constantly losing.
0: I cannot imagine. I just cannot imagine.
1: Because you're always winning. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh well it's you know for me it's it's nice to be a big fish in a very very small pond maybe even a puddle uh so i just enjoy the fact that i get to you know be at the quote unquote top of my game in my small little circle you know and that's enough for me the happiness of it and we were talking on the way up how like you know our bodies are gonna start breaking down so we I've got to play for longevity, you know. I can't burn out and and play at a high level. Uh, I'm never going to make it for the next 10 years if I just allow my knees and my arm and everything to go. You know, for what? I'm not sure, you know.
1: Yeah. For, like, some recreational glory. (laughs) (laughs) And then to lose the possible passion and joy you have in your life.
0: Yeah. So... Yeah, such a tough sport in that way, and yet so beautiful in so many ways. It's it's such a beautiful sport to be able to hit the ball clean, have control and mastery of the ball, and or lack thereof. <laughs> <laughs> but just to feel like you're slowly or slightly improving, you know, it, it's a game that takes so long.
1: Yeah, and also, you are always improving, right? There's always things you can improve like the pros are even tinkering and trying to improve every day so it is just so cool
0: so after we saw Heather Watson we did our uh, time the pizzas hit me
1: (laughs) we did our time
0: Uh, we did our, our time coaching kids which was really fun and met so many kids from all over and I really hope that I made a little mark on some of the kids because I did get like a couple of kids to do like 20 point rallies or uh, I got this one girl who said she had never played tennis to hit the ball back and forth seven times over the net and she you know she was just beaming you know Uh, there was a girl maybe four years old or something she was so small and I actually got her to serve and hit the ball You know, just just put the ball up and hit it. And, you know, even that is, like, major achievement. And I was just super excited for her. So, yeah, hopefully they had this really great ego connection to, wow, I did something really cool. I really like this, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, there were so many kids that came and Philip was on the serve station. And then towards the end of the day, I think the second half was just basically rallying with so many kids like you can't even count but I was in the 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 greeter I was letting the kids in so I, I would hear I would hear them come up and say like my my kids never played before is that okay and it was like yeah definitely come in and so it was so cool to see kids who have never held a tennis racket like go in there and for me like a personal plus was knowing that they were gonna get to like have uh fill up and this other coach Jeffrey on court and they were so good and patient and they're you know just the best these kids have no idea like the amazing um, opportunity they got to have their first experience be with such great people.
0: It was such a joy and I mean that's that's what Love Set Match is all about just to be able to have those moments with kids that might someday impact them in a long-term way and We'll never know. We'll never know how it does. But, you know, just believe, have faith that, that the actions that we're doing, the volunteering that we're doing, the uh, the positive reinforcement that we're giving them is is making a difference. Yeah. So that was pretty amazing. We did see some other players, didn't we?
1: Well, I know we saw Ben Shelton walk by. We didn't see get to see him play, right? No, we just People, yelled at him. Hey. Yeah, everybody just yelled. Um, <laughs> and then we had, well, we saw Cam Norrie. JJ Wolf, did you see JJ Wolf? I didn't. He was way down at the end. Uh, I didn't notice him, but people pointed him out to me. So um, Cam Norrie though was was great to see. I
0: mean, we were right there at the practice court watching him, feet a a couple feet away from him.
1: Yeah, he and he was playing great. And for those that you know maybe don't follow the Pro Tour or not the smaller tournaments um, that aren't like majors or 1000s he's on a terrific playing streak he just made back-to-back finals uh he lost to carlos alcaraz in the first one and then he just beat carlos alcaraz in the last um, final and i that was cool i got to say congrats to him and he's he smiled and yeah said yeah, thanks. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that was cool who else did we see there are we missing anybody
0: uh oh we saw fabio
1: we saw Fabio. He was hitting with Musetti.
0: He was fabulous, Fabio.
1: <laughs> yeah, he was. Uh, he had a sleeveless shirt on. His muscles were... Of course he did. Sticking out.
0: <laughs> and he looked great. I mean, the way he was hitting the ball. When you watch Fabio, it, everything looks smooth and elegant, and he just flattens everything out. It's just amazing how clean he hits the ball. He has so much talent. It's just crazy.
1: Yeah, he, he's he's so good on any given day you know he's so dangerous he can be the best of the best
0: and we had a chat with a couple of the USTA people one of them was on court with the pros I guess the last court had the pros come out and unfortunately we weren't there uh, on that court I guess it was kind of a meet and greet kind of deal and I guess Dimitrov came out so they got to meet and hang out with him and hit balls balls. Uh, I guess this uh, USTA guy was feeding him uh, they said that Bianca Andrescu came out. Yeah, uh, I saw
1: her. Oh, you did. I mean, from far away because I kept peeking at the court, and I was like, "Who's up there?" And I, I was like, "Oh, that's Bianca. I know her. I know her everything. Her silhouette, her movements, her little bun, like all of it. <laughs> I, I knew exactly."
0: <laughs> uh, they said that Sophia Cannon came out.
1: Yeah, I was pretty. I was sad I missed that. Yeah. You know, even from afar, like it would have been cool to be like, "Hey," so hopefully I'll see her when I go on Tuesday.
0: It was interesting, he, he had actually mentioned that he was kind of surprised at how quiet she was. She seemed very reserved, he said. Interesting. Yeah.
1: Wasn't there, there was one last person, right?
0: I can't remember who else he said. He did say somebody else.
1: I feel like there was a last person, but it may not have been uh, a current player, or a high-ranked player, or well-known player. Maybe that's why we're not remembering. <laughs> oh, I know. It was um, it was a Asian player. Oh, I I don't know the name though.
0: Oh, uh, uh, was it He Bing Wu? Yeah. That from China. Yeah. Oh wow. No wait.
1: Was it? No, I don't think. I don't know. We did
0: see him walk by, though, because he was walking by, and you said, oh, that looks like him because of his hair. He has that (laughs) spiky uh, colored hair, right? Yeah. So that was kind of cool, yeah. So, yeah, that was pretty much a recap of our day. Uh, We ended it. We helped the USTA load all their equipment and stuff. And, you know, it was just great to be out there. What was kind of funny was that all of the... USTA equipment now has minions on everything, minion minion uh, placemats for markers on the court, minion rackets. The rackets are actually branded minions. So I don't know if the theater company that owns the minions is it Disney? They paid for those rackets or I think it's
1: Pixar? Or is
0: it Pixar? So just so interesting that everything was minion, and I guess that's the whole idea is like let's get give the kids something that they like or something. So I don't know. It was kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, it was It was super cool. And, uh, oh my gosh, I totally forgot my thought. It was something about the USTA. Oh, well, must not have been important. <laughs> must have left a really lasting impression.
0: And then we just uh, started heading back and had an incredible burger at uh, The Habit. Then, Yay, not sponsored, although we would love a sponsorship.
1: <laughs> uh, you know what? Free burgers for life. so nice. They're had a great service yeah, and the burger was amazing the impossible burger by the way little plug <laughs>
0: <laughs> so that was our day guys thank you so much for enjoying this uh, podcast with us and feeling like you're coming along we're, we're heading back to LA and it's the dark of nights right now but uh, we'll be home soon I hope you really enjoyed our time there I, we do have pictures uh, from and some video that we recorded it'll be on my Instagram is uh, Philip Kim PK uh, on Instagram, or you can go to the Love Set Match Instagram. You should see some of that as well. And Valerie, what's your Instagram? Do you want to share?
1: it? No, that's okay. <laughs> it's, uh, it's private, so nobody would, you know, get through anyway.
0: <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. So yeah, uh, check out some of that there. We'll also try to post uh, some of it on our YouTube channel, uh, Love Set Match Tennis. If you want to check that out. And thank you so much, Tennis Pal, for being our sponsor. We did tell everyone we talked to about Tennis Pal and about our podcast, and that was fun.
1: Yes, it was. Actually, there were people that were looking for coaches in the area, and I was just saying, hey, check out this app. Actually, I showed someone else, and they're like, oh, Tennis Pal, I know that. And I was like, yeah, cool. But, yeah, so we we definitely got the plugs out there.
0: (laughs) So that was great, and we do that just because we love Tennis Pal. They are one of the best Tennis Pal apps Oh, one of the best tennis apps uh, that you can download and find people to play with and find coaching uh, virtually and it's really a great group of people so we highly recommend you go to tennispal.com and check that out thanks guys so much, uh, our voices are gone, we're ready, we're ready to fall over but uh, we had such a great day, thanks for sharing it with us
1: yes and Philip, may all your serves the Aces <laughs>